Hello and welcome to Elevate to Success, discussions on project management and leadership ideas, tips and techniques of being a project manager, agile practitioner, or a leader in your organization. Each week I will have something new for you. I'll have discussions with guests on a number of topics that you can use immediately or stuff that's keeping you up at night. So let's go. Before we start, I'd like to introduce to our listeners a good friend of mine who I've known for a number of years, uh, Romel Anakan is an award-winning motivating speaker, entrepreneur, and consultant. He powerfully impacts people by providing the clarity, motivation, and education to bring through their limits and achieve the success they desire. Romel founded his company, The Relationship Difference, in 2011. And since then, he's had a privilege of working with amazing companies and organizations and speaking to thousands of people nationwide. So in this episode, uh, we're going to talk about leadership and some understanding and developing into a leadership role. And then following with another episode, if you get a chance to, Romel and I will address some issues and anxiety factors, especially working remotely due to this unprecedented coronavirus epic that's affecting millions and millions of individuals, small businesses, our educational and medical industry on a global scale. So we'll touch on that uh, on some key areas in our next episode. So Romel, welcome and thank you for joining me. Um, are you ready, my friend? Absolutely, Lloyd. Thanks for having me. Appreciate this. I'm looking forward to it. All right. So, you know, we know that there are individuals that rise into leaders in their organization. Some like to just be a follower. Some are not kind of natural born leaders. So my question is, is what is the shape of the perfect leader and does he or she really exist? Oh, man, that's uh, that's a good one. I, let me let me start um, with with the the back half of that question. Like, does a perfect leader really exist? I, I would say, I would say no. Um, and just in my opinion, and actually, you know what I think? It's studying leadership and being a leader uh, in in rising through. You know, before starting my company, rising through the corporate ranks, making every mistake. You know, everyone could make all that good stuff. Um, I realize that the sooner leaders realize they're not perfect the better actually that they end up being um, in a lot of ways. John Maxwell, who who I know you know, love his stuff. I've got so many of his books. I remember him uh, saying once, you know, it's, it's, it's what you learn after you know it all that matters. And, and it's so true. And so I think for me, like the older I get, the more I know that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, embrace, right? You know, and embracing that idea has really made me uh, a better leader, a better entrepreneur, a better speaker, better husband, you know, um, person and all of that stuff. And so one of the things I think from a leadership perspective, which is why I love that you're, you're doing this podcast episode is really when I got to the point that I, I really had to come to terms that I wasn't as I wasn't perfect or wasn't as good even as I thought maybe I was. Um, <laughs> It motivated me to grow and then keep growing. And um, so so one of the ways I've really grown, I think really connects perfectly with the first part of the question, which is kind of what is the shape of the perfect leader? You know, I actually do. I mean, I think that we all have this really unique leadership shape or leadership style or leadership way. Uh, sometimes I'll call it leadership language. Um, and so I think part of being an effective leader is really knowing right what that shape is like so how are we wired as leaders or as people like what's our personality what's our 
you know, communication style, relational style. Um, how do we process information? You know, what's important to us, what isn't? Um, because that does, that just affects everything. And then really coming back to when I think about what was really helpful for me as a leader is to go, okay, so here's my personality. Like, here's, here's what I like, here's what I don't like. Here's how I prioritize what I do, what I don't do. And thinking of all of that and then thinking about, I guess, my shape and then how my shape impact, impacted the other people around me or impacted the people that I was leading. And so really, I think for people, the first thing is really starting at going, wait, what, what is my shape just as a leader in general? You know, um, you know, cause I think as you've noticed, I mean, and you're mentioning, you know, we have people have different just styles and ways and if also, I'm sure you've worked for a bunch of different leaders with different styles and, you know, some that I'm sure you've really liked and some that you're like, mm. <laughs> um, yeah, so true. Yeah. You know, um, and so I think from a shape perspective, I've noticed that some people, uh, they're like what I like to call the boss, right? The classic take charge, mm -hmm. command and control, my way or the highway, get out of my way, you know, let's just get this done. Uh, I think there are other leaders who their shape ends up being, they're more of what I would call the best friend. So they lead by relationship. They're, they often may even lead by consensus. They, their teams are democratic. Um, you know, they're, they're very caring and understanding, empathetic. And I call it the best friend because oftentimes those leaders, you know, lead like they're everyone's best friends. Um, I think there are other leaders who shape are that they, they really dive into information analysis, data, process, procedure, flow charts. Um, like they love that stuff. And so they might take a, a long time to make a decision. But when they do, it's a good decision. It's a safe decision. You know, and I think you know, the other of the four major shapes I think people might have is that a creative leader where these are super visionary people. Um, they see things other people don't. Uh, they might even thrive in constant change. Like once something's kind of humming, they like to just stop it and start something new. And, and you know, because they get bored easily or they see the shiny new something, whether it's a new technology, a new approach, a new system, uh, a new way of doing things, you know, they're disruptors and they love to do that kind of like buddy the elf if you watch the movie elf i mean I, yeah. <laughs> right you know, exactly you know so you have those shapes i honestly think you know for for someone to be an effective leader they have to first of all know really what their default is where do they tend to go to more often than not and right. what's the positive impact of their leadership style on people what's the negative impact of their leadership style um and then what can they do to maximize that positive impact and what can they do to minimize you know the negative impact and and it's, it's always going to be a shifting and moving thing but i think you know for me when i think of the perfect leader it's someone who has the self-awareness to know what they do well what they don't do well and then are always trying to grow so that they're always expanding on what they do well but minimizing those things that um you know that either either minimizing things that they don't do well or you know finding other people who just who do that particular thing better and just delegating or or just empowering them to be able to just run with that piece, you know? So um, that's kind of that's, what that's I think true. on that. You know, that's true that you, you, you touched on a lot of good points um, on, especially with the, the leadership styles. I know a lot of people just like to stick to one style. For me, I'd like to have a combination of all the different styles and see yeah. what kind of works best, you know, especially if you're working with different teams or you're working with different individuals and groups. 
uh, to see what you know you can't can't have the command control type of leader yeah. if you're working with a, say a development team that yeah. you know uh, you know if you're yeah. yeah if you're in a military style then I can understand that kind of works but at the same time I know we need to blend those types of different um, leadership styles to becoming an effective leader like, like you yeah. said it, it's a, it's a journey it's something that we learn to do um, I see it as okay we're just moving forward you know we, it's a journey that we keep on learning and learning and improving as much absolutely. as absolutely you know and I think you know you really and I'm so glad you mentioned that to being able to move back and forth between these because I think that's actually the healthiest style of relationship or community you know uh, in terms of being able to to um, to to be what you need to be in a specific situation. So for me, for example, like I was the best friend type leader, super relational, very empathetic and understanding. But but that meant that I wasn't really good at having difficult conversations or or um, confronting needed. And so sometimes I would allow bad performance to continue because I didn't want to hurt someone's feelings. And then then I realized from an organizational standpoint, I was hurting the team, I was hurting myself, I was hurting the other people. So then I had to learn. No, actually, I need. Yeah, I need to. I need to drop the hammer on this person. Or, you know, I remember once I was doing a, a motivational talk. I was just working with a team, and uh, you know, for for a lot of my programs, I put movie clips in there. I tell lots of stories to try to keep people engaged. But but this is a team of people that that wasn't appealing to them at all. And I could, you know, I remember taking my first break in this program, going something's up. Like what's going on, and and so I had to reconfigure on you know, in that 15-minute break, and and started thinking of this is a team that loved numbers, data, and analysis, and so all of a sudden I'm throwing out statistics at them, and any numbers I could I could I could think of, so then they, they that appealed to them. Then they went, oh, okay. Then they could hear the stories I was telling, but you know it was just they just had a different point of view. So I love what you mentioned about that. You know, effective leadership is also the ability is to move back and forth. Because I think what can happen sometimes is people, you know, they take a a personality test or they do Myers Briggs or DISC or you know Enneagram or something like that, and and then they go, well, this is my type. I'm a hard charger. Or I'm a Type A, and then they just wear that like like a medal or something. And 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 you know, what I have to tell people is, even when you identify who you are, that doesn't give you permission to just damage you know just to keep well and no you're absolutely correct i mean yep absolutely like well this is who i am i'm a hard charger you're just gonna have to deal with it or i'm always late i'm just creative you know i mean you have to be aware you know the the people get when they take these types of tests these personality tests they kind of are, are being forced to be that way in a sense that you know they start thinking about it reading about what they're personality is that they become you know they try to act that way because it says it on paper yeah that's a good point <laughs> that is a good point because you do hear that i'm sure you've done that in organizations where everyone does the same test and all of a sudden you hear the language i hear this in my programs you know in i teach that there's three kind of styles of communicating and and when i'm done i hear people go well i'm a hammer that's what i do i'm a hammer i'm a hammer and everything does fit into that. And then I have to go, whoa, whoa, wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> it doesn't mean you get to keep hammering people. Right. No, that's true. Yeah. So, so, right. so moving, moving right along with a couple of these uh, values of, uh, of a leader, you know, what 
strengths and skill sets can someone have or should have in developing to be a good leader? Ooh, that's good. Um, I think, you know, the first thing I would, would, would encourage anyone who, who wants to be a leader or is moving in leadership is the first question I would ask is, why do you want to be a leader? What do you really want to do with 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 the title, with the position, with the influence? Um, you know, because sometimes we get we want to move up the leadership chain because it's just kind of what you do, and you get a you get a bump in your paycheck or um, something like that. So it's always good just to kind of do that check, and pretty consistently, even after you move into leadership roles or your leadership roles expand, is like why 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 am I doing this? Because I think then your heart, your motive, all of those kind of uh, come into play there. Um, but then I would think, you know, from from per, some traits, there there's some some several things that 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 I've I've really noticed. I would start with this: is you know, um, be, be a person who is safe and trustworthy. You know, so as a leader, if if there's one thing that I've discovered in teams and organizations and companies, good relationships, good friendships, they are all built on a foundation of of safety and trust. And so as a leader, one of the most powerful things you can do is to be safe and in all the ways that one can be safe. And that might be relationally safe, that's operationally safe. You know, I, there's a couple key factors that I talk about. And then being someone who is tr who's trustworthy, who is who inspires trust in people um, as well. Because when you have that foundation of safety and trust, that's when people start to get more comfortable in a good way, you know, as we've noticed. and. And then you actually start to allow them to, to be who they are. But when people don't feel safe around you or they don't trust you, they're going to hold back or they're not going to take the kind of risks that you might need them to make or they're not going to innovate the way that you might need them to or just give you the raw feedback that you need. Um, you know, because they're worried about, oh, my gosh, like if I tell you that this thing is not going well, how are you going to respond to that? Um, so I would say, you know, know what you want to be a leader, why you want to be a leader, be safe and be a, provide a foundation of safety and trust in all that you do. And I think what, what builds safety and trust is what I call the four C's. And I talk about this yeah. a lot in my program. So competence is one. So how do you build safety and trust or how do you have people feel safe and trust with you? I know it seems obvious, but you, you have to do your job well. <laughs> you, you, you know, you have to know what the job is and you have to do it well. And I know that seems obvious, but I've worked with leaders all around the country had no clue about what they were supposed to do and they couldn't understand why their people weren't leading them so they maybe there were sales managers who didn't know how to sell you know or wow. um yeah. or project managers who were horrible at um you know organization and you know coming up with different things and or problem solving and and so the first kind of obvious thing is just competent your job do it well um and i see this often and i'm sure you have too lloyd right like where people um, sometimes we can get stuck on what pedigree you have or what degree you have or the amount of initials after your name. And sometimes you can get stuck on, well, I should be more respected because I have this. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yes. You That's know? so many. I, 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 I've been in companies where that happens a lot. And especially for those that are thrown into the position of leadership and then the expectations oh, yeah. and what other people are telling them. Um, you know, they're taking it, they're taking it all in, they're get, they get overwhelmed with this is how you become a leader uh, without really knowing 
yeah. you know, not being trained correctly. Absolutely. And so I think, you know, um, so that competency is, is a big one. And then consistency is another one in building that safety and trust is, you know, you may know what to do, but are you doing it as often as you need to or more often than you need to? And and that's and so this is where we're, you know, knowing kind of your leadership shape, your leadership way. And this is where I may often find sometimes like that creative leader who's super visionary and loves change and is very dynamic. But sometimes when, you know, and I've worked with and I've worked for creative leaders where we've all agreed on a plan. We show up the next day to execute the plan and the leaders completely change the entire plan right before we're about to go live with it. And and even if that new plan is a better plan, the rest of us, you know, may be there going, what just happened? Um, and so that consistency is such a big impact. Now, this doesn't mean not changing, but people are looking for consistency. I think character is another part of safety and trust and uh, being of good character, being someone that people can count on, being someone that, again, that people look to as, as um, just, you know, with and all the ways that you can describe character and all things that fall under there. Um, and then the last C to me would be connecting well and being really intentional about how you connect with others and being aware again of what your personality style like we've been talking about and, and what's your impact on other people and what's the positive impact of your personality on other people and and what's the negative impact of your personality. Because we both have, we, we all have positive and negative impacts, you know, and, and then just trying to grow so that we, again, maximize a positive impact and, and we minimize the negative impact. You know, you, you said a lot of really good points here, and I'm hoping that our listeners get a chance to write these down. Uh, we talked about the four C's, which I believe was character, connection, consistency, and caring. Uh, competence. Yeah. So competence. Okay. competence. Yeah. Competence. Yep. And, then, and then we talked about visionary, being a visionary. We looked at change. It's also to be flexible and inspiration being inspiration to your to people yeah. what about empowerment i feel that if, if as a leader you need to look at empowering your team oh yeah absolutely you know what's interesting actually and so just last night um our family we were watching this documentary on on disney and like their imagineering department and it was so fascinating to watch you know when how these engineers or imagineers that they call them built you know these amazing rides like pirates of the caribbean or, or indiana jones or space mountain and and what was interesting and you you empowerment so big because one of the things that, that that i noticed um as we were watching it is when when disney was like at their high points when they were having these amazing new development new parks that were well received it was when those imagineers felt the freedom to do their thing they were empowered to create whatever it was and and the times that that disney which is a phenomenal company had some missteps or they made mistakes or they made costly mistakes that people didn't respond to it was usually when those engineers were not actually empowered to do what they do you know that it was kind of it was an interesting thing to watch and so you could see this ebb and flow of of, you know, they were just kind of like, hey, just let us do our thing. We'll, we're going to we're going to build you a really great park, or a really great ride if you just let us do our thing instead of trying to, you know, micromanage. So I do. I think empowerment's huge. I, um, and and I think the big human part of empowerment is when people feel the freedom to 
to risk, to grow, to to lead, to try new things, you're going to get the best out of them because then they're operating from themselves as opposed to the back of their mind. Um, you know, how's Ramel going to want me to do this, and and how you know, or whatever that is that that can be be limiting. So I definitely think. I mean, I think empowering people to do their jobs, do it well, is a huge thing, and it, it honestly it makes a leader's job easier. Right. Oh, that's you so know? true. But but I know for me, and I will say this: early on in, in my leadership career, I I didn't like giving up control of stuff. I liked being the gatekeeper to everything. You know, I I, I got it. I really did. I liked being the one that I remember. I remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm the one that's going to go to that meeting. You guys can stay here, and because I wanted I wanted to come back and be the important person that knew things that other people didn't know. Um, and then the the more I got involved in leadership, and certainly now, the more that I consult and I work with other leaders, the more I see the value of figuring out oh, who who would be a good person to go there, get that information, and bring it back to the organization. So I think I think if there's any leader here and you're finding the need that you you really like control, I would highly encourage you. You know, do what you can to equip your people for success so that they've got every opportunity to do their jobs well, and then. You know, let go. And if you have to let go in small increments, let go in small increments. But man, your job's gonna be made so much easier if you empower people to succeed, and you just kind of get out of their way, and you let people do what they need to do. You, that is so true. I'm glad you brought that up. So tell me, how does how does someone or a leader be always motivated? How would they maintain themselves to stay motivated, especially in an environment where the work area is toxic? Ooh, man. You know, I think um, you know. I would start with so just as a leader in general, I think you know it is important for the leader to be motivated. You know, and I know that's an obvious statement, but we've again we've all worked for leaders that it was clear their motivation was was gone. Um, and I might have been that leader too. I think you know. So how can they you know stay motivated? You know, so for me, I think the first one is making that you know as, as obvious as it sounds again is making that choice that I'm going to take responsibility for my own motivation. And uh, I'm not going to rely on this external source, but I'm going to you know, do what I need to do because I need to be motivated to do my job well. And quite frankly, for my people, right? If, if I'm leading a team, if I'm motivated, they're at least have a better chance of being motivated. But if I'm demotivated, Debbie Downer, um, you know, we're not going to get the results that they need. Um, so, you know, first of all, it's that choice. I think secondly, and I remember, I don't remember, you know, where I heard this, but it was years ago. And as a leader, you know, um, choosing again, being intentional about saying, hey, I'm going to be the thermostat leader and not not just a thermometer leader, um, that I'm actually going to be the one to set the temperature on my team. You know, now I don't have, I may not have control over what's happening above me, to the left of me, to the right of me, but I have control over my team. So I'm going to be, be the one to set the temperature um, and so for me, I will tell you, again, early on in my career, this was hard for me, that if my team was down or disappointed or discouraged, oh, that immediately got me down and discouraged. So I was a therm- thermometer leader where I was I would sense the temperature on the team, but then I, I didn't always have the tools or the discipline or even just kind of the courage at that point to do what I needed to do uh, to set the temperature. So it's making a decision. Hey, I'm, I'm going to keep myself motivated. I'm going to set the temperature on my team. I'm going to figure out what's going on in the team, but I'm going to set the temperature. Um, and then I just think it's, it's just this commitment to growth. You know, like I love, I read books. I listen to podcasts. Um, I love just getting motivated. So I'm just, I constantly trying to feed myself 
with whatever you know I need to do. And you and I talk often about like new books or new stuff or or, or you know other other leaders that we like or that we're inspired by. So um, I I try to do every day do something somewhere that helps me grow um, in area. So that's how I stay motivated. And then I also try to just do things that at least once a day or something do something that brings me joy. Um, you know, outside of work, and and so you know, maybe it's developing a hobby. That's developing, joining, volunteering for something. You know, right now we're you know, depending when someone's listening to this, but you know we're all kind of homebound, and so for us it's been I've been going out and taking lots of walks, reshooting a basketball again, and and trying to recapture my 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 glory days. Um, <laughs> You know, but something like that. So just I, I feed myself. I, I, I devour books. I devour podcasts and talks from people I like. And I do things that fill me up. I do things that bring me joy. Um, you know, and and then out of that, I find that when I'm filled up, then out of that overflowing is when I can give to the people. And then I can lead. And I'm strengthened again to be able to do what I need to do especially if it's a toxic environment, you know, and for a leader, if you're working, managing in a toxic environment, the best thing you can do is just try to keep that toxicity from your team, you know, and even if, every, again, everything around you is toxic, you know, try to do your best on that, on your team that you lead um, to prevent that toxicity from seeping in. Um, or if that toxicity is internal, it's on your team, then you might need to do something about it whether it's making a change or having tough conversations with people or whatever that is, but whatever that is, if you have control over it, you definitely want to do something about it. Um, and if you don't have control over it, then you're just going to do your best to insulate your team from that toxicity. So it doesn't affect them. But for that, you've got to be strengthened yourself. And so that means you've got to take responsibility. for it. So thank you. Thank you for those points. Those are fantastic. Points. Of course. Absolutely. Are there any other last points that you'd like to add? No, just I mean, really, just if you're listening to this, man, we're we're with you. We're for you. Keep listening to Lloyd's podcast. Good stuff. Um, Thank you. Thank really you. Just, yeah, it's good stuff. And and really, just just grow. And and if you know if the listeners have any question, they can always you know reach out to me. And and uh, you know, I've, my website is romalanakin.com. And otherwise, just you know, if I had to pick one thing to tell everyone, is just. You know, connect well with the people around you and, you know, do one thing every day that helps you grow. And I think you do those two things, you're going to be in really good shape. I know earlier I had mentioned that we're going to have a new episode on current events and resiliency. Well, you know, we're going to kind of jump right into this topic and start start this new discussion. You know, the world is currently in a state of crisis and uncertain with the coronavirus pandemic. You know, thus resulting in millions of individuals, small businesses, corporations uh, that are currently impacted, especially on a global scale. What's most impacted are the essential industries like the, the food chain industry, which includes the grocery stores, the truckers, food suppliers, vendors, and frontline workers. You know, our educational systems also have been impacted and, and of course our medical facilities and the, the medical industry. You know, I just want to say God bless all those medical professionals that are working around the clock in this unprecedented event and all those that are coming back and volunteering uh, to come back into the medical profession, those that have retired that are volunteering to come back, and, and, and God bless all those who have been affected and in medical need. You know, many people and companies have closed their doors and some industries already have laid off their employees 
or have forced them to work from home. And, and to many folks working from home, this is probably their first um, working remotely and, and you know, can be very, very difficult. Now, you, you may have kids with you. This is you know, very hard because you now have to childcare. You, you need to ensure that they have distance learning and you know, you're working also at the same time. Now, this can make you want to pull your hair and so we're, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of help you and provide you with some tips during this crisis and and working remotely from home and having all these distractions going on uh, what we want to try to do is we want to stay mentally well you know during these times and, and try to adapt to face these types of challenges and that's mental resiliency yeah, resiliency is huge. That's probably one of the most important things people can be, in general anyway. I think when you look at successful people, they are resilient um, in all that they do. You know, I, I for me, I'm just kind of thinking of my journey on, on this one as, and, and how much things have changed overnight, um, you know, in, in so many different ways. You know, so I think the first thing, I mean, there's some several steps that, that I found particularly helpful. And the first part, you know, with mental resilience is really allowing yourself time to just absorb what's happening you know that um there's so much to process like you talked about right all of a sudden overnight people were working from home they're schooling from home and then they can't go to a store or they can only go to stores during certain hours there's no toilet paper you know i mean um so you know you go from everything's normal and fine and and in you know in a span of 24 48 hours man a lot of that change and so i think just giving yourself time to absorb you know what's happening um for some people that's also allowing time to grieve and and so it, grieving might be the exactly what you're thinking of in terms of someone's sick someone is or someone has has been lost or whatever that is or also just grieving life has just changed that something's different that you're it's harder it's more difficult or grieving loss of income or or change in income or you know those kinds of things uh, right. Yeah, exactly. right you know i mean absorbing allowing yourself that because sometimes people can just have the tendency just to plow 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 and and that's a good thing to be able to do especially in a crisis but then you know allowing yourself some time just to you know I remember talking to my wife and when all this started happening, she just, she had, she just, you know, she spent some time crying because it was just, we were just trying to manage everything that was, um, was happening. And for me, that first weekend after everything kind of shut down and, and, um, I essentially just spent that whole weekend, like we had planned to brainstorm and we were going to get after it. I, I spent most of that weekend just watching TV, try to avoid the news. Um, but just watch TV, drank Coke Zero, you know, and watch sermons. Oh. At tr you know, I mean, that was that. Yeah, that was my living it up right there. Um, that that is so true. What you're saying is, in terms of putting things in perspective, right? Yeah. Uh, you, regarding resiliency, is also looking at improving your physical health, and like you said, meditate. Just kind of kick, relax, think first before you start acting. Yeah. But uh, seeing problems uh, in, in, in a short term versus a long term, which yeah. can give you probably anxiety or, you know, some negative. Absolutely. But, but more important that you say, you know, reach out to help, uh, reach and ask for help if needed. It, it, it is true. And I think, you know, and you, you really touched on some of that, too, in terms of 
that focus when I think what really helps helps with resiliency is when you're allowing yourself to absorb and feel and grieve and, and you're feeling those emotions. It's important you don't just bury them. But then, yeah, you're focusing on, so what can I do? And then you start to develop your action plan on the things that you have control over and that you can. And then you just start taking those steps and then you just give yourself permission to fail. It's actually, you know, I was talking about you know, watching the, well, the Disney Imagineers. And one of the things that, that was one of their mantras was just like, we plan to fail, you know, or something like that. It was like, we know we're going to fail and we're going to fail a lot. And so they just gave each other permission to fail, to try an idea that doesn't work or to, to do something here that's not well received. But because they gave each other permission to fail, that actually made them even more resilient and more, more willing to try new things because they knew it was okay if they failed because it really wasn't a failure anyway they just figured out don't do it that way let's change what we're going to do or something like that and then the last thing i love you know that i heard years ago and, and i still use all the time is that you know I, how do you stay mentally resilient is you remember it's about progress and not perfection you know so you just want to make progress every day and if it's one step it's one step but it doesn't have to be absolutely perfect um, and I think you do those things that, that definitely helps you build that resilience muscle mentally. So which kind of dovetails into what the next area is, is, is to avoid multitasking and to concentrate, to have more of a clear focus on what you, yeah. so, you know, just keep, you know, one at a time and, and, and don't overwhelm yourself. Again, you continue to exercise your body, you know, avoid yeah. some distractions like the news. But again, if you have a household full of kids, then it's it's a little different story, right? Yeah. You'll you still have distractions, but you know you give you put things in perspective. And then I think having boundaries, right? So as people determine and 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 we kind of figure out what those boundaries are that we might have. So for example, just today, my my uh, my wife was on our our family room couch, and she's she's doing some some work. Um, she just started, you know, a, a nonprofit, and so she's still working on kind of the the ramp up to that. But she looked at me and my daughter and said, "Okay, so I'm going to do some work now. I'm in my office on the couch." And so that was her code word to us: "Don't bother me. <laughs> Don't ask me a question. Walk past me unless it's an emergency." You know, and but that was a clear boundary, and we all honored that boundary. And so I, I love that you mentioned that about the importance as well of, you know, you've got all these things going on. And so part of that is, is taking things one thing at a time, but also establishing what are those boundaries for you? Maybe you don't have to answer every text message or as a leader, not necessarily expecting all of your people to answer something, you know, within two minutes, you know, unless it's mission critical or, you know, something like that. But that's huge, huge, huge. Those breaks and, 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 and avoiding overwhelm is, is, is crucial. You know, for our listeners that are listening right now, you know, one of the hardest things to do this is during this time is clearing your mind and kind of getting rid of negative uh, thoughts. Now, Romel, I know you, you talked about in our previous episode about doing things that, you know, that can help you self-develop. Uh, again, like you, you were saying, I think, believe you're saying playing some music or yeah. you know, minimizing yeah. your uh, TV news. You know, what are, what are the things that we could do and some of our listeners can do to kind of get rid of these negative thoughts because again we're we're bombarded with emails regarding this coronavirus uh, pandemic and and the news going 24/7 on it what 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 would you recommend 
Oh, that's good. You know, I think when, for me, when I find that the negative thoughts are starting to, to, to pile up, and they do, you know, I get them, or, or the feeling of worry and anxiety, one of the things that I've found really helpful is just the pause, is just when I'm starting to feel my body is the stress or the anxiety, or, or I just know something's up, I'm a little bit more short and irritated, that's my sign, something's going on. And so sometimes it's just, you know, something as simple as I stand up, I walk away from the desk, I grab a cup of coffee, or cook zero you know or i might go for a walk yesterday i was starting to feel a little bit of that i decided i was gonna put on a, a talk that i really liked and i walked for 25 minutes you know so so first of all i would say in terms of you know kind of discarding those negative thoughts and, and clearing your mind is being aware when they're there you know so just going oh yeah here's it's starting to pile up and you mentioned and this is something we had to do very early on turning off the news so I'll scan the news to look for headlines. Is there anything I need to know? Is there somewhere I'm, you know, something urgent? And then I've got to, I've got to turn that off. I've got to stop the external. I've got to listen to my body and my mind when it's telling me that it needs to take a break. But even a one minute pause, right? Where you just stop everything for a minute and you just exhale. <laughs> exactly. Just exactly. exhale. Um, and you then, know, the, the, you know, it's just stuff like that. No, go ahead. You know, the things that I, I would do is, through, through the whole day, I would take a probably a 10 minute meditative quietness of just mm. sitting somewhere, whether it be in my backyard or whether it be in another room and just quiet myself and refocus. Yeah. And I find that very soothing, especially if you have some music background and you, you know, you concentrate on your breathing. So part of meditation, right? Mm -hmm. I love listening to like piano music and stuff. And so I'll go, you know, YouTube channel on, on there's certain stations that I, I really like. And that exactly, that helps me too, just to kind of tune out, just kind of refocus, recenter, take that pause, you know, or, and, and uh, another day I was driving uh, somewhere, probably to sort of the store, <laughs> get some toilet paper for our family. And uh, I just felt like I needed to blast like some of my favorite music really loud. And so I did that and it was good. and. Um, you know, but I found just those super simple things that we already know um, are really good. And, and then once you get those negative thoughts, I think what happens for me is I really just try to turn them around you know, as much as possible. So and so instead of like, oh my gosh, we're never going to get out of this, it's it's definitely tough right now, but I know it's going to get better. Or you know what, I know we have what it takes to to get out of this. Or you know, so whatever that is, whatever that negative thought is, I just I try to be really intentional about taking that captive and going, no, what's the positive on this one? No, we're going to get through this. We're resilient. You know, we're going to come up with good strategies. You know, we're creative. We're going to come up with a solution for this. No, that's um, true. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think, and, and I think you hit on that. I mean, certainly for, for a lot of people and, and us included, you know, there's been some difficult things with this, but part of resiliency, like we've been talking about, part of forward, even when life is challenging is to, to see, so what is the good that can come out of this and, and what are the positives? And we've been doing the same thing. You know, we played a board game a couple nights ago. We've been sillier here at home because this is normally the time I'm traveling all over the country doing stuff. And, um, you know, our daughter has spent some time in the backyard and she's cutting flowers and, and doing some gardening things. And, you know, so even in the midst of a difficult situation, there can be good that can come out of it. Um, you know, and, and like you said, not to minimize the difficulty that anyone's facing at all. And, and we know that there's some people that are literally what they're going through now is survival. Um, and, and uh, you know, we're, we pray for them and, and we're, we 
we want this obviously to end. And for a good portion of people, even if they're going through some very difficult things, um, there can be good that comes out of this. Um, and I think the resilient part of us is just trying to see, so what is that good? And, and how do we, how do we turn this negative, you know, devastating in, in a lot of situations, you know, thing and how do we turn that for good? And I think that's actually one of the hallmarks of highly resilient people is they take whatever kind of, they turn those setbacks into a setup for, right, their comebacks. And um, so, um, and hoping that that's what, you know, that's what we keep saying that, that, that this is, that's what's going to happen here for us. And we're at least we're, we're believing that and we're doing our best to, to see how we can maximize this time to turn this time for good for us. So this comes to the end of our episode. And I'd like to thank Romel for taking the time out of his, his schedule to touch on some of these topics. And if you get in touch with Romel, you can visit him at RomelAnakin.com. Yep, RomelAnakin.com. So R-O-M-M-E-L-A-N-A-C-A-N.com. Look forward to connecting with everyone there. So do you want to plug in your wife's nonprofit organization? Yeah, so it's a thank you. Yeah, she's starting a ministry called Briars to Myrtles. It's actually started and now we're we are moving it forward. It's a 501c3. Uh, it's a, it's a it's a faith-based organization, but it is an organization uh, built on helping people kind of restoring and healing uh, journey and it's really based in large part on on her journey. So it's called Briars to Myrtles Ministries. Keep an eye out for it. We're going to have more things rolling out in the future. Um, but we're super excited about the work that um, you know she'll be doing. And actually, this is one of those we talked about turning these negatives into a positive. This really comes out of her journey having uh, multiple autoimmune illnesses, uh, which have really, really negatively impacted her life. But this is part of her effort to take this negative and make it positive. And and even in the the things that we've done so far, there's been such positive things already. So we're looking forward to even more good news and good stories of more positive things that, that have come out, even from very, very negative and, and, and tough times for her. You know, with this remote working, it's uh, it could be challenging. But again, thank you again for taking the time to, to join me today in my podcast. And I look forward to future podcasts with you. Absolutely. Thanks again, Lloyd. Appreciate it. This is Elevate to Success. Your host, Lloyd Philip B. with Infinity Bold. For more information on how we can help you with your project management, coaching, as well as mentoring, you can go to my website at www.infinitybold.com and send me an email. Please share this podcast and also tell a friend about us. Until then, keep it real. <laughs>